Psychologist, and with me as always, talking about foods we miss. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing games we played, Pokemon Go Small Business Initiative launches, Nexus mods bans all U.S. political mods. We have a general topic, kind of presented to us by Jim. Are games announced too early? And we will have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. I'm just like... <laughs> and then there know, were silence. Uh, you, you, you know, a long time ago now, I guess two or three years, the whole spinning in my chair making fart noises thing. Like, that's kind of how I feel. Just, just I'm just kind of like, fuck everything right now. Like, I'm not... I've talked to you about this a little bit more. I'm not experiencing a depressive episode right now. Like, I suffer from depression. I have those from time to time. But I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just, like, I just feel burnt out on a lot of stuff right now. So, like, been playing, like, games that bring me comfort and, like, listening to lots of, like, music with the bass turned up way too loud, probably. And, like, taking a nap here or there. It's just, I'm just like, fuck it. How do you feel today? How are you doing? Where's your mental health at, Rage? Well, I'm probably a little gassy because I made a bunch of bean soup. Yes. So, I, so I don't have to make uh, fart noises. I'm making them already. You're making real fart noises. You don't need to use your mouth. I'm also, like, tired. Work Corporate is stupid. That applies to every single job anyone could ever work. Corporate is stupid. And corporate is messing with shit they shouldn't mess with because they're corporate and that's what they do. And we had one of those uh start this week and i want to like punch people but oh really but then i'd have to tell me how does that make you feel makes me really fucking mad (laughs) and burn out but i can hear the laugh wait it wastes time it wastes so much time you just need to change your profile pic and zoom to this could have been an email (laughs) we've got we don't use zoom we use something called fuse which is whatever this, basically the same thing it's a you know video chat and conferencing and it's got a, a a text chat you know option im system right now my my profile picture on there is uh an x-wing and i like i change it every couple of weeks to something different because you, you need to change it to this could have been an email uh i'm sure that there's a mug of that i love how we both go to google yep 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 this meeting could have been an email. Top one. This is a peep mug. This meeting could have been an email. <laughs> or I survived another meeting that should have been an email. This should have been an email. Yeah. Yep. I'll probably do that. It's about time for me to change my uh, <laughs> my profile pic again. Getting passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't do anything lewd. I'll get fired. So that'll be probably the most risque I can get is with a passive aggressive image of a coffee mug (laughs) we have regular monday meetings like at 8 a.m that almost always would have been better served with an email and then maybe 
10 minutes of conversation. But the problem is, is if you get together to have the 10 minutes of conversation, you have to have 50 minutes of bullshit to go with the 10 minutes of conversation. I think that's just a Much rule. Much like this podcast. Indeed. Indeed. But that's just a rule. Whenever people get together, you have to have 50 minutes of bullshit for 10 minutes of what you actually want or need. Welcome to the Video Game Logic <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> also, that should be our uh, tagline. 50 minutes of bullshit for the 10 minutes that you need. Or maybe just 50 minutes of bullshit, dot, dot, dot. Also known as a short episode. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Which, I don't know, unless we spend a bunch of time off in tangents, which does happen, we have a chance to have a shorter episode this week, because I had one game that was new, and I don't see that you've put any on the list. Yeah, I, I'm in this uh, situation where I'm going through and I'm playing the uh, games I've already been uh, I've, I've already talked about and I can't really add anything else like I got through Dungeon 6 on uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle Seasons uh, played uh, Crusader Kings with you so there's not really a lot I could add so you know it's just I'm in this weird position of I'm playing the actual games that I've been playing right yeah that I've yeah, already talked about, pl- and I can't really give a post mortem on them yet because I'm you're still playing actively games playing games that you like, and so you're sticking with them. It's nice to play things that you like, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm making gallons of soup and lasagna and self care, baby. Self care. It's very important. Um, I guess I can go ahead and talk about Spirit Fairs, which is my game for this week that I've played. I haven't finished. I'm still playing. It's a lot longer than I thought it would be. Um, I you so, okay? So Spirit Fair is on Game Pass. That is where I've played it. The link goes to the Steam store. You can buy it on Steam. Um, it's a lovely, interesting game that I don't think is for everybody. Um, it's very emotional and very sappy and very deep. But also, it's got some weird, pointless bullshit in it that I think is there just for padding, which I don't understand. So, in in Spirit Fair, you play uh, the new underworld person. What is her? I forget what her title is, but I mean, she um, is a captain of a boat. Um, she takes over the the previous job of like you know, think like the ferryman from uh, you know the, Greek mythology yeah, and other sticks. Yeah. But instead of it being sort of like dark and brooding like that, like that's the old guy and he's completed his job and you're the new ferryman uh, and you get a boat like the first few hours of the game serve as a, an extended tutorial and you get a boat and it's kind of like this weird wooden like cargo ship. But you have you've got this little light that, um, you know, serves as your light to guide people from uh to their final resting place in the afterlife. And that essentially is like a power source for you. And you get this like weird crappy wooden boat and you get it fixed up uh, by like a shark dude. Uh, By the way, all of the characters except for you are these weird spirit things or animals, which I think is really cute. Um, But anyways, so, you know, this shark guy like gives you the boat and like fixes it up. And then you've got your little light to brighten it up and power it. And it gets very cutesy, very quick. I love it. The soundtrack is adorable and you're you're you know going on this adventure to ferry souls to their final resting place in the afterlife. And the game I think I think this is a game that would be really great if it was like 10 hours long because each of these people or each of these spirits that you get 
um, have got very deep developed backstories. They have a number of these sort of missions that you have to go on, collect materials or provide for their needs or complete some type of final wish. It varies from character to character from what I've seen so far. Um, and you know, you, you go through and you complete, you know, this adventure for them and then you send them off to the afterlife. Um, and so you spend a lot of time doing this, you know, hours, possibly longer for some of them, especially like in the, the later characters and you learn a lot about them. And so far, the ones that I've met all have some type of connection to you, you know, the player character. And so you get to learn about the relationship that you had with them and how in, in every case I've seen so far, you were very supportive and loving and kind towards them. And that's why you're here. You know, you're helping them, you know, right or wrong or complete, you know, their final wish, because you're the one who who knew them well enough in life to be able to provide that for them in death. Um, and they're very beautiful stories. And I think that that's what the whole game should have been about. And not that the rest of the stuff that I'm about to talk about is bad. For the most part, it's good, but it, it takes up a lot of time that takes away from those experiences you're having with the other characters. So not only do you have this boat that you get that you're sailing around, um, you and you have these quests that you have to complete for these people. Some of them are fetch quests. Uh, so this game has has uh, gathering and farming and crafting and fishing and all of these other things. And if it's, if it was done in a much more simplistic way um, or done in such a way that really, really supported the stories of these characters, I think it would have a big impact because for example, like you build for the, you know, for, for these characters stuff on your boat for them. So some of yeah, them are things that, that you'll, the, I think the demo, yeah, so for some of them, it's stuff that, like, you'll just need and be using, like, farming space and a garden and crafting spaces, like a sawmill and, you know, etc. Et but then there are some very personal items that are built for them as well, like a house. Some of them have specific things that they want you to build as, like, decoration on the boat. And so whenever you complete their journey and they're gone, that stuff remains. And it can really have a lasting impact because eventually you're going to need more space for something for the next person. And it's like, oh shit, you know, this is, um, you know, so-and-so's thing after spending, I, I don't want to like, I mean, it's very story heavy. I don't want to get too specific on the stuff that, you know, I've completed so far. You know, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who wants to play, but you know, it's like, oh, this is so-and-so's thing. And now they're gone. And I, you know, I need more space and I want to destroy it. And you get that, that little pang of, you know, emotional, you know, connection, like almost like whenever you go through after you've lost a loved one and you get rid of their stuff that you don't need and you're reminded of it, like it, it strikes at that same sort of grief and loss aspect. And it like, it's a really powerful thing. And maybe the fact that, you know, I'm still saying this, like despite some of the bullshit in the middle, maybe it's still really effective, but I feel like it'd be a lot more strengthened if you didn't have to go to 14 islands to co collect wood so that you can build so that you can take it to the sawmill and do the sawmill mini game and then collect the sawdust and mix that with lightning you grab in a bottle and, you know, so on and so forth. Like these crafting chains that you come to associate with building games and survival games. Um, you know, if it was a lot more simple, I think it would go to serve the stories a lot better, which to me is like the only part of this game that really makes sense. I mean, there is a world to explore. You com As you complete the tutorial, you unlock more and more of the map which you, you know, drive around on your boat to these small islands or other places that pop up as they relate to, to people's personal, you know, stories or quests or whatever. Um, 
And that's neat. And that helps to serve as a, as a way to sort of get you to spend time with these characters and ask them questions and find out what they want and need um, and develop some other stuff that, that some of the interesting stuff that does exist on the boat um, because it, it takes time to travel. You know, you go on the boat, you pick where you want to go on the map and then the boat goes there um, automatically and then you just wait. And none of these journeys are more than at least that I've experienced so far more than like 10 minutes. Um, but you know, which could sound like a long time to just travel from place to place, but that's the time where you go and you walk around the boat and you talk to each of the characters and find out how they're doing, give them hugs, which I love. I love giving people hugs. Um, you know, sometimes they want food or treats or, you know, little events happen. Like there's one character you meet who, um, whenever there's a storm, he comes out and he plays music and then you can collect lightning in a bottle, which is an item that you use for crafting and other stuff. And that's that's a neat thing that you can do. And that really never got old. That was, I think, a really good use of one of the sort of minigame type things. There's, But the other minigames just get really tedious. Like, if whenever you need to um, use the loom to spin thread, it's just press. And I was using a controller, so it's just press and hold A to the right point, you know, and then release it just over and over and over and over. And for wood cutting, it gives you like a little guide that you have to follow. And if you follow the guide, you get like bonus wood because it was like a perfect cut. But it's like you just move the the stick up and down and follow the line. And both of those things are okay a couple of times, but it's like, all right, I need some more wood. Well, I guess I'm going to go, you know, do that for a while because it's kind of boring. Um, fishing is really boring and kind of weird. Like at first, like the fishing was really cool. Cause it's like, Oh, you just go sit and fish off the back of your boat as it's traveling. And when the controller vibrates, you press the button. It also, your fishing rod lights up. So, you know, if you're not using a controller, if you've got vibrate turned off, that's how you, you know, know what to do. But then the fishing gets a little more complicated and that kind of ruins it because it becomes just another mini game again instead of just a, a fun little activity to do off the back of the boat, which I guess that might be a mini game in and of itself. But they overcomplicate it instead of leaving it simple so that it's less additive to the stories and the gameplay and more something that you need to do that's kind of tedious in order to get the stuff you need to actually progress the story. So... It's I, I, I like it. Overall, it's really good. It probably sounds like I'm being overly critical on it, but they do such a good job between the art style, which is absolutely gorgeous. I love that art style and the soundtrack, which is phenomenal. Um, I'm still hearing new, unique music after having played for a dozen or so hours. Um, so, you know, the soundtrack is beautiful. The soundtrack is or the, the graphics are the art style is is gorgeous. The gameplay, you know, outside of the weird, tedious mini games and kind of collectathon bullshit, is is pretty simple and intuitive. The storytelling is amazing, and they did a really good job with the emotional hook of it. But I feel like that they, in an effort to maybe gamify it, like this feels like a publisher went, yeah, that's pretty good, but maybe like put some more gameplay in your video game. Like that's kind of where what what I'm saying. Like it feels like somebody looked at it and wasn't confident in it being the experience that it was, and decided to tack on thirty hours of crafting and collecting to make it a quote unquote video game. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe this was a vision they always had for, it and it just hasn't landed with me. Um, but <coughs> basically, what I find myself doing is I'll I'll progress everyone's story as far as I can. 
and then take some time to go collect stuff and craft stuff and then go back to playing the story for as long as I can until I need to collect stuff and craft stuff again. And when I'm just collecting and crafting, I turn on a podcast or some music and kind of ignore like what's going on. And then when it's time to, you know, in my opinion, like play the actual game, I turn all that off and I, you know, and I focus on the game itself. So, um, also you can, you have a cat that's your partner, uh, Daffodil. Daffodil is, Daffodil is, is the cutest cat I've ever seen in video games, hands down. And she has her own little ball of light that's on her collar. And she goes with you everywhere and has got her own fun animations. Like if you jump in the water to swim, like the cat jumps in behind you, but she doesn't swim. She rides on her like light ball um, as like a buoy behind you. That's very cute. Um, And she engages in just about every activity with you in the background. Like she's really integrated as part of what um, you need to do in order to, you know, um, craft and explore and, like uh, whenever you're you're on an island and like you need to collect wood, well you go and you chop down a tree, and your light ball becomes like a one of those really big like I don't know nineteenth early twentieth centuries like band saws that two or four men would use to cut down like huge trees, and like she's on one side and you're on the other and it's like it's very adorable and you can uh, you can hug the cat at any time. Not everyone wants to be hugged all the time. Like, you can definitely try to hug everybody all the time, and some characters are more huggy than others, but the cat always will let you hug her. Well, that's not very cat-like. Maybe not, but she's the best cat ever, so. Um, I've seen stuff say that this is, like, between a 30 and a 50-hour game. I think if you could play it without all of the time wasters in it, it would be, I don't know, 15, 10 to 15 hours, I think. I mean, if the the story progression kind of plays out at the same rate um, to completion. I feel like it would be probably 10 or 15 hours, and I think that would be a much better sweet spot for this game. But if you have access to it on Game Pass, and you have liked what I have said, or you've looked at the game and thought, oh, that sounds interesting, there's you should definitely check it out. It's a more positive experience than not. I mean, I, I would say like a solid like B plus for the way it is now, and if it didn't have as much... Of, of you know the the stuff i've talked about as you know as being negative like wasting wasting time i would i would give it like a solid like a because of the storytelling experience and and the fact that it it actually really does you know or really has like pulled some some of those emotions out of me so i don't you know as for buying it i don't know it's uh 30 bucks on steam um you you would have to decide if you felt like it was worth it or not i think that this would be like a solid like 15 or 20 dollar game like what it feels like but you know i i I also could see paying 30 dollars for it if you really love the idea of it i haven't had any issues with bugs um any issues with crashing or anything like that and game pass games certainly are worse about that than playing them on other platforms um in my experience so far so yeah two thumbs up despite the fact that i was kind of kind of critical but two (laughs) thumbs up overall yeah, it's been on and off with the Game Pass games in general for me uh, on how buggy they are. I don't think it's a bug, but a feature, but probably the most annoying one is the damn updater in Microsoft Flight Sim. I still haven't gotten around to playing Microsoft Flight Sim because issues with the updater and how slow it is. I'll get there eventually. I'll play it one day. Yeah, by the time, I, let's put it this way, by the time I finished updating it, I didn't really care to play it. Yeah. 
So by the time I feel like playing it again, it will probably need an update. And uh, right, right, you'll have to wait for it to update. Yeah, I also found that if it's in the background, it updates slower. It's it's the way it updates. It downloads one file and then installs it. Downloads the next file, then installs it. It doesn't cache them all and then installs them in batch. And that makes it so that uh, the it's constantly speeding up and slowing down its uh, download speed. Yeah. And it's you know, it's also grabbing one file at a time, so you know, uh, who knows if it's doing it all from Microsoft servers or if it's just uh, doing torrent-esque where it's grabbing from users as well or different places. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And also, you know, our you know, end of the Trailmaker song. Yeah, fucking corrupted. I've had way more problems with with games through Game Pass than you have, I think. Like I had is- I've had issues where games wouldn't launch at all that I've I've downloaded and tried to play. And then with Trailmakers or Trailblazer, Trailmakers when it got corrupted and lost all of my gameplay progress. And then I've had games that have stopped playing like partway through so, you know, I'd get a few hours in and then they just quit working. I did have uh, Crusader Kings uh, start to crash at one point, but then I dropped it to windowed mode, loaded it up, and then it was fine after that. I'm not sure if it just needed to rewrite a file or something, but... Yeah. Well, whatever recent update that they did fixed my issue with Crusader Kings where I had to disable my antivirus in order to play it. So that's good. But yeah, I guess that does it for games we played this week, since I only had one that I was going to talk about. I keep a couple of games in like a backlog that I can talk about, but since you didn't have any this week that were new, I figured I would just talk about Spirit Fairs, so. Mm-hmm. I guess that means that we'll move on to the news. This might be the firstest we... Firstest? Fastest? The firstest and the mostest and the fastest. We've gotten to news topics ever. Yeah. Because we've not even been recording for a half an hour and not even all of this time is actual show recording time so peek yeah, behind we, the curtain yeah we, yeah we might actually have a short episode this time around i guess we shall see but we also we have discovery see. queues so yeah, that could always throw written things yep i um, imagine yeah. we'll have one this time around i i expect so unless let's let's face it my internet dies I, I almost said one of our internets dies, but let's be real. It would be mine. So, yeah. um, anyways, to the news. Our first news topic of the night. Pokemon Go's small business initiative launches today. Yeah. I assume today being the day we're recording. Yeah, or it was uh, yesterday, actually. All right, so it's not even today. <laughs> well, to be fair. <laughs> Fuck if, you, if time. We, uh, to be fair, if we wait an hour, it'd be two days ago. Very true. Uh, But. Yeah, so Pokemon Go, that's still around. I guess I, I guess I'm being a little facetious there because uh, uh, the games industry has this thing of it, it, it only reports on really big updates or really bad news. So a game could uh, be just chucking along, yeah, doing fine, and it just doesn't get mentioned outside of its own little niche on like Reddit or something because. There's not really that much news going on about it, so, you know, the general population doesn't really know about it, right? Right. So, Pokemon Go's actually been fairly stable, uh, and 
actually upset the community a little bit because it seems like all of their they're going to Team Fortress uh, uh, situation, making all their events hat driven stuff for some reason. At least that's what I gathered from the little bit of news I've seen about it. But their latest one is essentially adding a bunch of small businesses as additional locations to be able to visit in the game for things. Uh, the way Pokemon Go works, if you don't know, it's um well, it's not even a walking simulator. It's a walking stimulator where uh, it's a well. I, I like this one. Uh, other game uh, kind of coined this term, uh, GPS RPG, where you uh, move your character by walking in real life on the map that is based off of uh, a, a capture of real map data. So uh, where I live, there's been uh, some of these games that has rather laughable amounts of... Uh, lag between the amount of information that they have on the map and what it's reflected in real life. You have businesses that aren't even there, uh, roads that aren't even there anymore, bridges, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But I downloaded uh, Pokemon Go real quick just to see if anything near me is uh, shows up, and nope, not that I can see. Uh, they added a thousand small businesses uh, from five countries uh, to be become part of the program where uh, they can be essentially Pokestops and that sort of thing to drive foot traffic in you know COVID times. So it's a thousand businesses uh, across the U uh, the United States, Canada, Mexico, the UK, and Japan. So kind of a, a small sampling, uh, 200 uh, per country if it's split between them, but it is a nice sentiment, you know? Where yeah. they're trying to do something to help in these wacky times. Like, um, uh, they showed four of the thousand here. Five girls baking a family run ba uh, bakery and cafe at Liverpool, uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, that's been supporting its community during the pandemic with free bread for those who need. Uh, Blitz Creek Chop, a inclusive hair shop uh, in West Sussex, UK, that as uh serves local art uh alt punk and uh nerd communities by hosting Pokemon Go community days. Uh I uh Cyber Liquor, a game and community uh a hobby shop in Mexico, uh owned by a husband and wife team who are very involved with the local Pokemon Go community. And uh FM Light and Sons, a family owned Western wear and apparel shop in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, that's been operating since 1905. So that's the four that they highlight, but yeah, there's a thousand of them. I would like to see more, but that's just, you know, trying to fill out the map a little bit more, right? Yeah, it, apparently they had 38,000 businesses that were nominated by, I assume, the community. I'm looking at the blog post right now to, to double check that, but... They had apparently started this back in 2019, and it kind of has evolved over the course of uh, mm -hmm. this year um, to be what it is now. And it seems like they're going to add more, and this was just like their first The first draw. Run. Yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah. Like I said, it's nice to, uh, because uh, I gotta admit, at least where I live, uh, the map data pretty much is churches, 
and government buildings for the small towns I've lived in. And Pokemon go to church? No thanks. Right? <laughs> yeah. I live... I, I mean, I, you know, this isn't the smallest town with with air quotes I've ever lived in. Like, I've lived in smaller places, but Dayton is still fairly small, and I'm enough outside of the quote-unquote city that uh, whenever I looked at the map, I couldn't actually see anything. <laughs> so, you know, and I, you know, I'm not gonna... I've played Pokemon Go twice before, like literally two times. When it first released, I installed it and played it like one afternoon. And I was like, okay, yep, that's enough. And then a couple of years ago, for some reason, Katie got into it for a brief period. So I downloaded it again and played it exactly one time with her. We went on a walk together to catch Pokemans. And then I haven't played it again. But, you know, it's just... just, just something that's not for me not like it's bad and i i think i like i remember when it first released and there was this ex- sort of explosion in lots of places of yeah you know all these people are coming by to catch pokemon and and you know businesses were were dropping like poke lures down and um you saw like places pop up um like you know i remember all the good ones i know there were bad ones too but you know thankfully my memory is honed in on the good ones of like churches that actually like sat out and were like hey if you want to come rest and have some water and like chill and and catch pokemon at our church because we're a pokestop you can you know hope you have a good day and they weren't like being all weird or crazy like i remember that Mm -hmm. so you know if we get more of that and and you know pokemon go has had both some positive and some negative recent publicity because when COVID started, um, they turned on all of these features that like, oh no, we could never do that with like being able to just in game without using, you know, different ways to sort of cheat it about where your location was. So you could still explore without having to leave your house and catch Pokemon within like a, I think it was like a certain radius of where your area was supposed to be. Like it expanded it to like several miles or something like that. And you could just, you know, move yourself around on the map that way um they had other features for uh increasing like gifts that you could give to people and stuff like that um and and they're rolling all of that back and so i've heard negative a lot of negative stuff about that as well because i've heard in the accessibility community and just generally makes the game worse when it's more limiting so this is a nice bit of, of positive sort of counter publicity to that yeah and uh like i said their map, at least for smaller towns, is very limited. So, you know, anything that can fill it out. And this has been a problem for literally any one of these GPS RPGs or whatever you want to call them, walking simulators or, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another snazzy term. But uh, it's late uh, and I'm full of beans, so. <laughs> these two statements are true. <laughs> and boy, does it stink in here. I'm not there to confirm, but I do believe you. Uh, but anything that could uh, add some depth to the map and add more stuff uh, is, yeah, a welcome thing. I mean, it's just, uh, I think I'll be a lot more better off once they get a few more of these waves in. I'm not sure why they only did a thousand out of thirty-eight thousand. If it's just that's how many they can bet, or if they wanted to focus on like high-quality submissions first. Well, there is a vetting process because you go look at the blog page and then there's another link because um, they have to meet um, 
a set of guidelines and it looks like they're confirming those things, which basically it's, you know, they, they're, they want to help small businesses. So they're looking for businesses with fewer than five locations and, you know, things about their location, um, making sure people are authorized, making sure they're meeting local safety guidelines or stronger, uh, for COVID precautions. Um, and some other stuff on here, it looks like. So, uh, things like they have to be like family friendly, uh, shops. Um, so I guess we won't get any like, you know, uh, BDSM stores on here. Oh, it's which that is very sad. It's very sad. Family friendly. Right. They're nice people. Well, why can't you have the BDSM cafe? Come <laughs> in and get a cup of pain. There's a cat cafe nearby. Uh, Not the th- same thing, I know, but. Well, it depends on if you pick up a cat that wants to be picked up. That's true. You could wind up in a lot of pain. Uh, yeah, the local animal shelter actually ran a cat cafe for quite a while, but uh, uh, they handed it off to uh, a local organization that is a lot more fucking expensive to have a uh, to get uh, animals from. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I just skimmed through that. The list is mm-hmm. a lot longer of guidelines that they have to meet. So I assume that they got to vet them and then the, you know, pr- there's probably an agreement that these places have to sign off on and all that stuff takes time, you know, legalese takes a little bit to go through and that would vary based on your country or even region within the same country. So that would be my guess. It just was, it took them longer to roll it out. Especially with COVID, like it would have taken, I feel like it would have taken them longer to get it all sorted, anyways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Pokemon Go promoting local, lo- lo- local, local businesses. There we go. I did it. I said the words. Yeah. All right. Our next news topic: Nexus mods bans political content until after the next U.S. presidential inauguration. Uh, can't fucking blame, blame them. them. Right? No. Uh, the, the, uh, d- did you read the blog post? I did not. Uh, it, I, I skimmed. I skimmed it. I didn't read the whole thing. Okay, so uh, to do so, I'm gonna read this out because we're gonna run short anyway. So yeah, may as well pad time. But recently, we've uh, seen a spat of provocative and troll mods being uploaded. Around the current uh, social-political issues in the United States. As we're getting closer to the U.S. election in November, we expect this trend to increase as it did four years ago. Considering the low quality of the mods being uploaded, the polarizing views that they express, and the fact that a small but vocal contingent of our users are seemingly not intelligent or grown up enough uh, to be able to... uh, uh, debate the issues without resorting to name calling and baseless accusations without proof, indicative of the water issues plaguing the, our world at this time. We've decided to wipe our hands clean of the mess and invoke an outright ban on mods relating to the social political issues in the United States. I mean, holy fucking shit, right? Yeah. Uh, we have neither the time, uh, the care, or the wish. Uh, to moderate such things, this ban will apply to odd mo- to all mods uploaded from uh, the 20th of September onwards. So this does grandfather and older ones. We will review this restriction sometime after the next president of the United States has been inaugurated. So probably January or February. 
Most of these yeah. mods are being uploaded by cowards with sock pocket accounts deliberately to try to cause a stir. If you see one of these mods, I suggest you do as our terms of service say and report the mod and move on without engaging with the content. Your engagement will only fuel the idiots further. <laughs> Smile and have a, a, a be happy in the knowledge that the time it took them to make the, an account on the site and upload their mod is a lot longer than it takes us to ban the account and delete the mod. To be blunt, we do not care how this looks, nor do we care. If you think the, uh, the mods we do or don't moderate reflect on us, our political beliefs, or what we do or don't want on our site, say and do what you want uh, on other sites and services. We care nothing for it here. Have a great day. <laughs> I mean, no punches pulled. I can only imagine how much they've had to deal with especially with some of the lower barrier to entry games to mod uh, it's just oh right yeah i'm trying to think of what a good example of that would be uh you know something that's very easy to just change a couple of things in and uh, be done with it but i'm kind of blanking on it. i'm not sure if it's just late or i'm i mean i know there's plenty of uh, uh tutorials to do stuff in uh you know the elder scrolls series that yeah it could be just that in general. Yeah, I mean, some things could be as simple as going in and changing text files, <laughs> where that, um, I mean, I you know, technically, I guess it's all text files in some way, when it, you know. Text files all the way down. Then stuff that's not assets would just be, like, text files, but, you know, like, dialogue, for example, like, you could go in and change dialogue pretty quickly, um, and upload a mod that's like, I don't know, make, make all of a certain NPC just say MAGA over and over again or something like mm -hmm. that. Like that would be relatively easy having done some, you know, some modding of my own for like Battletech and, and stuff now. Um that would be relatively easy to do. Um but and and Or go in and change the color of uh, some mods uh, or some NPCs or or make the drunkard in, in town uh, be Baden. Yeah, um, I mean, anything that requires changing assets, I have no idea how easy or difficult that would be in Skyrim. I mean, there's modding tools um, well, for Sky for well, that, I'm and a lot of other games as well. So. Well, I'm just looking at, like, uh, Stardew Valley, uh, ch uh, just change uh, character profile, uh, portraits, that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Stuff like that, I think, would be relatively easy in most games, but... Yeah, I'm just scrolling through their game list, and some of them I didn't realize that they even had... Uh, uh, the ability to be modded uh, very easily, like Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of games on Nexus, so mm -hmm. the uh, the mod DB of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Um, you just uh, dated yourself, and I just I dated, and I just dated myself, knowing uh, what you're talking about. Is mod DB still around? I guess. Yes, they are, uh, and they're still getting active content they posted something from two hours ago on like their front page like an article hmm. they have mods for xbox one ps4 switch ios android pc good for you mod db good for you oh anyway prison architect there you go right that that probably is, oh god has a bunch of it and i think it's yeah. pretty easy to mod too I bet, uh, well, hell, just going through uh, <laughs> Prison Architect without mods because they opened up uh, the uh, ability to name prisoners to, uh, in their Kickstarter campaign and never really, you know, cleaned them out. So there's just some 
really, really, ugh. That was the worst thing about uh, Pizza Architect, in my opinion, was getting, you know, just some of the random ones were just horrible. Or, mm-hmm. I, or I should say random uh, Kickstarter uh, backer uh, named ones. It's just, I mean, you can only run into Hitler so many times, right? Nine. Though there was a lot more than nine of them. Touche. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm actually a little astonished that some of the mo- of some of the games on here actually, uh, the Legend of Korra uh, game that uh, Platinum put out that hasn't been on sale for a couple of years now is actually on here. I mean, the mods for it are absolute shit, but that's beside the point. I'm looking at stuff on ModDB. I should probably close this. I'm never going to use ModDB again. Well, I shouldn't say never. I'm not likely to ever use ModDB again. At least with that attitude. I mean, Nexus Mods is just way better. ModDB still looks like a website from, like, I don't know. And not the 90s, but, like, the early <laughs> 2000s. It's not It's not good. Yeah, but this should tell you uh, uh, the main focus of uh, Nexus Mods. Skyrim, Fallout 4, Skyrim. <laughs> Fallout, uh, New Vegas, Oblivion, Fallout 3, right? Yeah. I mean, all the mods that I've gotten for Battletech have came off of Nexus. Uh, well, that's the uh, the rest of the top eight is Witcher 3 and then Stardew Valley. There's actually quite a few uh, mods for uh, Stardew Valley. Yeah, so-, so my games library on Nexus mods, because I'm logged in now, is Battletech, Fallout New Vegas, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, X3 Terran Conflict, X4 Foundations. Well, this also should tell you something. Uh, Morrowind is uh, beats uh, on download count. Dragon Age Two, right? Well, Dragon Age Two sucks. So Dragon Age Two, from everything I've seen, to be fair, never played anything beyond the demo. Decent story, hampered by being rushed and having to reuse a way ton- uh, way too many assets. It also it had to try to live up to Dragon Age Origins, which uh, good good luck with that, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Back on topic. Nexus oh, doesn't must. Nexus doesn't want to deal with the twenty twenty US election. And I don't blame them. I don't want to deal with it either. Yeah, yeah. It's a complete clusterfuck. And there's trolling on both sides. I will say that everything that I've seen, it's more on one side. However, there is both sides going at each other. And it's just this is the nastiest I've seen uh politics. It's just ridiculous. And I mean, I mean, 2020 is ridiculous in general, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I assume that they're getting backlash from this from somewhere. Uh, but you know what? Good on them for just being like, you know what? We don't want to deal with this. Uh, and- I'm sh- I'm sure that there's people uh, crying out because of uh, freedom of speech whenever people don't realize that freedom of speech is protection from the government. Not from individual businesses. And last I checked, Nexus Mods is not a government entity. So crying out about, oh no, they're ruining my freedom of speech. I I can't uh, be an asshole. And that's the other thing that really irks me about uh, modern politics is that there's this idea that freedom of speech is the right to be an asshole without repercussions. No, it's not. (laughs) Correct. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say other than good for Nexus Mods. Like, they don't want to put up with this shit, they don't have to. I mean, it was more that you know, statement. It just, you could see how angry they were. It was gorgeous. And I loved every minute of it. 
And I really can't blame them, to be honest, because it's just, I cannot imagine some of what they have to deal with. So just saying, you know, that's it. We're not dealing with this. Uh, we're banning it, all of it. And not even saying, you know, putting one side on it. They're saying just blanket ban is probably the best way that they can handle it without having to deal with, you know, them saying, well, your favoritism, uh, giving favoritism to this side because you're banning uh, Trump mods or you're uh, banning Biden mods, so you're giving favoritism to this side. And no, it's just, you know, fuck it. We don't want to deal with it at all. Shut I up. I bet there's way more Trump mods than Biden mods, though. Uh, Probably pro-Trump ones, yeah. And even just, like, Trump trolling mods. I'm sure there's way more. Mm -hmm. Even though I haven't looked at it. It's just, oof. Why did we have to live in such interesting times? Because, I don't know. Can we just have a boring time where we could go down to the local uh, Chinese buffet and eat ourselves into a nice MSG coma? God, I would love that. I'd love that so much. Maybe in 2050. Oh, that soon. Okay. Yeah. Woo. All right. Um, so that was it for the news topics. We've got a general topic. Uh, kind of sort of presented to us by uh, Jim in the Discord. Um, there was a, a, a brief conversation. Um, I need to be on the right Discord and in the right chat channel. Um, following some stuff related to, I think, the... Uh, the Minecraft like, announcement. The, yeah, the uh, Minecraft announcement. Um, and essentially, Jim's question is, why the fuck are they announcing this so early? And then a brief back and forth. Yeah, but yeah, we, you know, I, I, I think the main reason why they're announcing the Minecraft one so early is that they typically have a winter uh, a patch from what research I did on it. And they're not doing it this year because COVID's. So yeah. they're trying to get ahead of uh, people saying, oh, Minecraft's dying because there wasn't a patch. Because that's the kind of the other thing about it. Uh, gaming news is that if yeah you know, if something gets doesn't get updated on a set schedule uh, people are going to assume well it's dying or dead They're, they've moved on and not the case they're trying to get out ahead of it and say okay we're working on this but not really showing a lot and it's just kind of spiraled into yeah you know, games do get announced damn early the one that jumped out to me was both Starfield and the next Elder Scrolls game, both several years away, or Starfield several years away, and then they're going to work on the Elder Scrolls game. So it, we may see it this decade. Mind you, we're recording this in 2020. Indeed, at the at all, you know, at the very beginning of the decade. So yeah, and AAA gaming, despite what you may think from the Call of Duty series, does take quite a while to actually get a quality product. And, and, yeah. and stop snickering. Yes, Bethesda is capable of putting out a quality product just because they have it in the last. Hang on. When was the release date of uh, Morrowind? Uh, I'm joking. Mostly. Uh, uh, I'm making uh, a oblivion. Uh, oblivion. Okay, we'll go Oblivion. You can't yep. see my face, but I'm making a face. I think Oblivion was 06. Maybe 07. So, so yeah, last you know, decade or in some change. 15 years. Uh, doesn't mean that you know, it doesn't have the same amount of time put in. It's just they don't bother with uh, quality assurance and just let the community fix it. 
Yeah, and in case anyone is is wondering, like, if you're not aware, uh, this is probably still a thing, actually. I don't know, but for a while, Call of Duty was had, I think, three dev teams working on it so that they could release a new... Or three dev teams working on three separate Call of Duty games or franchises so that they could have a new one that released every year. Um, and even then, they still struggled under constant crunch and releasing games with more and more bugs and issues and more more and more shallow uh, stories and gameplay. Especially with, like, Call of Duty. Modern Warfare and Black Ops both had some very interesting story stuff as far as shooters go. And the longer those series went on, the more shallow and terrible the stories got, so... Yeah, it looks Other game like, studios uh, have done that as well, I think. But. Yeah, it looks like they're up to four, actually. Oh, damn. So there's Infinity Ward, which is the primary. Uh, Treyarch, Sledgehammer. And then there's Raven Software. I was familiar with the first three. I don't know Raven Software. I, well, it looks like it's new for this year. Um, I see. Call of Duty still uh, makes uh, shitloads of money every year. Okay, it looks like they work on the multiplayer side of things. I think. You know, I'm just quickly uh, browsing through their uh, rather short uh, Wikipedia article. Yeah, it looks like they're uh, an assistant uh, to the different uh, the other three, so they actually have four. Uh, Raven is currently developing Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War with Treyarch. So, yeah. Um, they were the uh, company and uh, that the company is the lead developer of the free-to-play Chinese Call of Duty title. <laughs> Oh boy, right? Makes sense. I mean, yes, but also makes sense. Um, but anyways, back, you know, sort of circling back around to the actual, like, you know, heart of the question, like, why do, or, or what's the purpose of talking about the release of something that is years away? I'm not a marketing person. I've always wondered, like, why do Coke and Pepsi and so forth, like, need to, to market and i've heard a variety of answers and the only one that's ever made sense to me is like well new people are born every day and they need to learn about it yeah and that it's like, lucky okay. ten thousand. yeah uh, using outside- yeah but outside of that like it doesn't make sense to me because, like i know that you know the you know hype train or whatever is a thing that exists for games and i think i could see that making sense for about a year like it's still too much for me i don't give a shit about that I'm not even going to play 99.9% of games that release. I'm not going to play them until a year or more after they release. You know, there's a rare, you know, super rare unicorn game that I buy <clears throat> at during sort of the release window. Also and then known as Battletech. Indeed. And then a few like rare, you know, select games that I'll buy a year after they release. And then most games, I wait for them to be 50% or more off on whatever storefront they're on sale on. <clears throat> and I feel like a lot of, at least PC gamers, follow that. But even, like, if you're not someone, be it on PC or a console who does that, like, if you're really into something that you're going to follow its development, you don't need to be hyped for it. And most other people aren't going to know or care until right before it comes out. Well, I think so, the answer uh, to the Pepsi question is it's to maintain public awareness, uh, and it's a more of a cultural thing, at least in the United States. Uh, but no, sorry, I'm jumped on to you. Oh, you're fine. Uh, but I mean, I was pretty much done yeah, with that thought, anyways. I, I think I think it's 
game companies trying to take a page out of mega corporations. And I'm talking about uh, the idea that your game isn't just a game, but a cultural phenomenon. And for major, uh, major IPs like the Elder Scrolls series, that it's not just a game. It's someone's, uh, you know, almost identity. As crazy as that sounds uh, to us, there are people that do uh, go for deep, deep, deep dives into everything Elder Scrolls. So yeah. knowing that there is uh, this teaser for the next game coming out, never mind the fact that we may never see it because, you know, who knows what's going to happen this, you know, in the next year or so, right? But the fact that it's actively, you know, in pre-production, not even being worked on, it's in pre-production with, what was it, a 30-second tr- uh, teaser three years From, ago? Yeah. Uh, it's something that will keep them going and keep them invested in the franchise. Now, for more lower-level fans of just video games in general, it's, oh, sure. But it's more, you know, that cultural awareness. It's sort of the reason why Pepsi still, you know, puts out marketing. Uh, right. Or I should say both Pepsi and Coke, because, yeah, if one stops, the other one will slowly uh, win market share because, yeah, more brand awareness. Yeah, I can think of a handful of brands that are a cultural thing. And even in the games industry, I can think of two. I think it really depends on where you are, because in FPS, you know, you have, you know, Battlefield, uh, Call of Duty, uh, uh, Doom, maybe with Wolfenstein making a resurgence in the last few years. Yeah, I think thinking of 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 the idea of something being like a cultural phenomenon on the level of Coke and Pepsi and I don't know, Pizza Hut, Mario, Mario, Minecraft, maybe World of Warcraft. I would say World of Warcraft would be a harder sell these days just because it's uh, been in decline. From yeah. Everything that I've heard. But you know, like there's Mario and Minecraft for sure. And then I, there's a couple of others that, that I might could be t- kind of talked into. Um, but you start to get into like, you know, they're huge things within their own industry, kind of like directors for film or write, you know, authors or, you know, s- stuff like that. Like someone who's within the thing would know who it was. But to just some random person out on the street who doesn't really play games ever or very often, like, in order for it to be a cultural phenomenon, like, everybody has to know it everywhere. Or, you know, most people. And, the yeah, so the only thing is the like gaming Halo? industry. Maybe. Halo was another one that I thought about saying, and then I thought World of Warcraft would probably be bigger. But Halo is a, a very big one. Um, even things like Doom and Wolfenstein... Like they're you know they're classics, but the medium was a lot more niche in the. You know, well, I was talking about the resurgence of uh, both Doom and Wolfenstein with more recent games, not just the originals. Yeah, that's fair, but I still feel like they're not you know they're up there with people who play games, you know, who know and who are interested, but they're not up there in just sort of general culture. But I mean, you know, outside of those things, like 
the people who like like I said a, a couple minutes ago, like the people who are actually interested in your thing are gonna follow every development note that you know turns up on the internet, and um you know the people who don't won't care until almost release with your big marketing push. So I I don't understand marketing. There's probably theories behind it. There's I mean you know I know that you can go to school for a long time to become a marketing person. You know like you can do that as a career. So I, I know that there's got to be some theories to it, and that you know that I just don't know and haven't heard anything about. But I do feel like that games are are hyped way too early for way too long, and then that's one of the reasons why I think you hear. I mean, among many, but one of the things is that I feel like they set expectations too high because they push too hard for too long and then something can't live up to that. Or if it does and, you know, you get a lightning in a bottle sort of experience, then, you know, what what are you going to do next time? Uh, So I I think part of the reason why games are hyped so early so long as well is that uh, gaming is very flavor of the minute. so. I mean, just look at how uh, Battle Royale was so big for a year, maybe two. And then uh, Fortnite and PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds pretty much took over the genre and everything else fell off. And it became more known as the Fortnite game than anything else instead of the genre. So it's also trying to get you know your name out there early to get a handful of people trying to pay attention to you because as much as I hate to say it, a lot of at least above double a and even some double a is driven by the suits they have to see interest in the game out there immediately see it on the social media see it on YouTube uh, see somebody screaming their head off uh, at that 15 second trailer that shows absolutely nothing about gameplay it's pretty much a trailer showing the logo and maybe not even the final logo. It's the placeholder logo. And yeah. it, it's to get, you know, uh, uh, that metric of, okay, this is how much uh, hype is for the game. So that's how much budget we're going to put into the game. And that might actually be part of the reason why we see, you know, uh, these trailers that show, uh, you know, a year or two before the game will ever be in a playable state. Where well, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, setting the budget for the for these games. It's kind of uh, cynical, <laughs> setting to really think about it, huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I guess it's cynical, but it's also probably true. So yeah, fucking suits, right? Yeah, corporate fucking corporate ruins everything. <laughs> Fuck corporations, and I mean, corporatocracy is probably the next. There's probably an argument that it's already the current form of government, but it's probably the next one, and we're all going to be even more fucked mm-hmm. than we are. Yeah, unless we're cogging that machine, right? Yeah. And then we're just ever so slightly less fucked. Don't get me wrong, we're still going to be fucked, but ever so slightly less. Yeah. All in all, just uh, another brick in the wall. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Floyd. Indeed. But yeah, I really think that's... Uh, our good part of it is just the fact that it's trying to you know, determine if it's even worthwhile and just see how crazy people get. And sometimes it is just uh, you know, uh, throwing an idea out there. I've seen a couple indie games that uh, got off after the first trailer just because there wasn't enough uh, interest in it. Never mind the fact that 
Yeah. It was showing a concept of the uh, of the gameplay. Yeah. I think that also is just part of it is just, you know, not even just setting a budget, but just saying if it's worthwhile. Annoying because, you know, you, uh, you have indie uh, games uh, out there that do it for the you know, love of the art and then uh, <laughs> see them take off doing some odd thing. Uh, sometimes years after the fact, I mean, the one big fad right now that uh, as we're recording, Among Us, that's, what, two years and some change old? And because somebody streamed it on Twitch and got uh, popular with it, it suddenly saw this massive spike. Huge, yeah, huge explosion of, of popularity. Well, at and least that's, you know, a, I, as far as I've been able found out, is why Among Us uh, took off was Twitch streaming. Years after the fact. That would make sense. When, I don't even, I don't know when it actually released november 16th 2018 on steam yeah and the same and it's got like nothing 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 and then in june start to see a little blip and then by like august it just starts shooting up in popularity and overwhelming positive reviews on steam and and probably coronavirus also helped out right yeah people try and find something new yeah an actual, a possibly actual viral <laughs> hit or success. Imagine being those developers. Like, you develop this little, silly, fun indie game that gets, you know, moderately positive reception, but it's tiny. Well, they were originally working on years. a sequel. And then, it, you know, it spiked. So they're, they're like, fuck it, we can't work on a sequel now. We'd kill our player base. Yeah, but... Anyways, I mean, I, you know, I think that, though, that's the outlier, you know, the exception mm-hmm. to the rule. Just think, you know, think about the, the many hundreds or thousands of games that are developed and released every year that go almost completely unnoticed. And some of them rightfully so because they're garbage. But think about how many, you know, indie darlings do exist out there that have never been spotted. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's got to be like a good point in the middle of like marketing and hyping up your thing. Um, versus not at all versus like way overdoing it. But yeah, I don't know. I think games are announced way too early and hyped way too much for way too long. And, and you're, you know, some suit in some corporate boardroom somewhere has got a metric on a, on a piece of paper that they have misunderstood or misconstrued or are way overemphasizing. And that's not, you know, cause correlation doesn't equal, it doesn't causation. necessarily equal causation, but they think that this possibly millions or tens of millions or for some games, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars of marketing is is worth it. And it's just a waste somewhere in a lot of boardrooms. But, you know, in the first boardroom somewhere, there was someone with that sheet and they're like, oh, well, metrics show that if we start announcing our game at X number of months prior to release, it it generates Y amount of revenue. So following that formula, if we push the launch or push the announcement of the game to, you know, this number of months, then we should see Y amount of revenue. And that has been the policy for however long. Uh, after we go back in time and kill Hitler, can we, do, uh, can we off them too? Yeah, let's off them. Just all of the big corporate people. Fuck them. <laughs> Let's get rid of all of them. 
just make sure that Garvum uh, actually had an active role in uh, creating our time machine, right? That is true. That is true. So that was an interesting topic. <laughs> it was. I almost started talking about time machine or time travel theories. Yeah, I but mean, I, if we're going with the multi-universe uh, theory, uh, then we're just creating an alternate timeline and we're safe. Indeed. Now, if it's ripples uh, and, you know, what we did in the past changes our own timeline, oh boy, we could be fucked real quick if we kill the wrong executive. Yeah, but maybe that wouldn't be so bad either. I mean, we just get it over with then. <laughs> maybe that's what happened. You know, someone uh, killed uh, the wrong person, and, you know, and they sneezed on a bat or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, such a thing. Uh, such a shame we didn't have a, a, a pandemic response team that definitely was not uh, dismantled shortly before all this started. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad we didn't have one of those. Way too bad. Would have been really handy. Oh wait. Um. Yeah. So uh, that is going to do it for all of our topics this week. Um, we didn't have any community stuff outside of the question from Jim, I don't believe. Yeah, well, more snide remark from Jim, but still. Right, right. Okay. Well, Rach, how can they communicate stuff to us? Well, if you wish to do so, you can contact us, vjobpodcast at gmail.com, or tweet it to us, vjobpodcast, on the Twitter, or find our Discord link on vjobpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, Sweet. So, uh, Discovery Q? Doobly do. Yay. And, and I'm on the wrong portion. Okay, so, uh, as usual, I have my Discovery Q loaded and setting and waiting. So, I got Spelunky 2. It's like Spelunky, but one more. Uh, for those who don't know, Spelunky is one of these indie darlings. Uh, uh, it's a roguelite. A uh, platformer where you're going in and trying to save your girlfriend, dog, boyfriend, whatever. And it seems like it's, like I said, Spelunky, but more. I'm not seeing anything that's really changing the uh, mechanics. It's just more Spelunky, which if you love Spelunky, there you go, right? Yeah. My first game was a porn game. Uh, and then I got Untitled Goose Game. Which I can't believe well, I've never had Untitled Goose Game show up on my Discovery Cube. That's list, because it's been an epic exclusive for the last year. Has it? Has it really? Has yes. it also has it been a year? Yes. Oh my god. I I hate time. Time is weird. Fuck me. Alright, Untitled Goose Game. You probably know what it is. You're a goose, you honk at people. I forgot it was an F exclusive, apparently. That's how much I gave a shit. But it's yeah, Untitled it's just, Goose Game, yeah, so. It's just honk. now coming out. Now it's honk! Honk. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, yeah, that. I, I don't feel good about this one. It, it feels a little too porno. <laughs> I mean. You get into a situation with uh, visual novels where they can fall into porno games with that. Okay, so... Okay, th this one doesn't feel like a porn game, so that's a nice change of pace. Uh, Drake Hollow. A build-defend villages of, of, of vegetable folk from deadly feral beasts. So, a, a, a co-op town builder? Sweet. Uh, uh, slash uh, d tower defense. Uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going on with this because the 
there there are uh, some rather scathing reviews on this saying that the tutorial does not really cover what the game is which is not a good sign right no it looks like someone took the concept of fortnite uh-huh. like uh, the actual fortnite yeah. not the bullshit battle royale and said hey let's actually make a game that focuses on this but, a, but makes it kind of cutesy as well yeah because there's resource gathering at least according to this resource gathering base building um and like a world to explore and like little quests to complete it looks cool i'm into it 22 bucks yeah and the game i pa- uh, passed on yeah oh, a lot of porn on it actually sweet um i got uh i got one are you are you done i don't want yeah okay um i got battlefield one which again has been out for a while but it has been not been on steam until recently um because ea has decided that they're losing more money than they're making by not putting games on steam so a lot of ea games have have been showing up on steam as well as which we talked about a couple of weeks ago the ea uh origin whatever pass is is getting like its own little steam version so i mean i've i've been interested in battlefield one i don't know if i would ever buy it honestly I mean, you can get it for 15 bucks right now. That's the closest that I've ever felt to buying it, but I still don't think I will. So that's, I guess that's a ringing endorsement. I like the idea of a World War One first first-person shooter because, you know, there's so many things that don't get covered. We get a lot of focus on, like, World War Two and Vietnam gets some focus, and then anything much more modern than that really doesn't get covered all that deeply. And anything much older than World War II doesn't really get covered all that often. So it's a good idea, but they just basically turned it into a generic first-person shooter. So no thanks for the most part, but it's it's there if you like it and you want it. Okay. Hey, I got Drake Hollow. <laughs> uh, so I got uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon uh, Registered Trademark 3 Complete Edition. So this is a re-release of Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 with uh, the DLCs rolled into it. I mean, Roller Coaster Tycoon Three. I I don't feel terrible about because it it's I don't I think it does get a bad rap because it is trying to compete with the first two, which are classics in the tycoon genre. Back before tycoon kind of meant anything vaguely imaginary, uh, and they tried to do uh, some interesting things with it. Now they did. Unless the original uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, if I recall correctly, uh, when they put this out, and they uh, did some stuff. Oh, no, no, there it is. Sorry, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Platinum. So, this is a re release, uh, try- updating the graphics and putting in ultra wide support. So, uh, the, uh, uh, the previous release, which looks like it's. Yeah, it looks like they pulled it. Yeah, it's not on sale anymore. Uh, they re- uh, yeah they replaced it. Uh, uh, if you're looking for the original version and you know, you're kind of out of luck outside of piracy, right? Uh, which is something that just irritates me whenever games uh, you know, get pulled like that, just for the reason of uh, yeah putting out a HD version when honestly this doesn't look like they did anything outside of put in ultra wide or, or widescreen support. Which, mm, yeah. Um, I got what is maybe one of the best, most exciting uh, Discovery Hue games I've had in a while. Oh boy. Art of Rally. 
Um, this is made by the same people who did Absolute Drift, uh, so I think it's going to be okay from a mechanic standpoint. But it's a rally game. Um, it says, race in the golden era of rally. Drive iconic cars from the 60s through Group B on challenging stages through stylized environments inspired by real worldwide locations. Will you master the art of rally? It's got a beautiful art style, sort of minimalistic, but the cars maintain enough distinction that I can tell what they are. Like I see a couple of Lancias and uh, a mini, uh, just to name a couple, um, Ford GT there, or sorry, not Ford GT. God, the Ford, um, rally car. I'm drawing a blank on the name right now, but yes. Yes. Anyways. Um, you know, so the, the art style is distinct enough that you can see them, but it's minimalistic and it's very cute. And I, I was looking at this being like, man, this is gorgeous. I would love this. My only question is how well is it going to handle? And I scroll down to the bottom and it's like made by the same people who did um, Absolute Drift. And I, I played Absolute Drift and that is a great game with good, simple car physics and mechanics. They're saying it's got 60 stages. Um from real world tracks or at least inspired by real world tracks so i assume they've you know taken some limit liberties but i i bet you'll be able to tell in general where you are if you don't know specifically like i i think that this will be an excellent game um 25 bucks that feels a little steep but um you know i think i'm i've got enough uh confidence in the uh, developer that I would be willing to you know put my money down for that so art of rally alright well I got I'm taking a page out of your book and doing a negative uh, discovery cube and okay and on the surface this uh, looks right up my alley this is a ARPG co-op roguelike dungeon crawler Alright. I mean, that's taking okay. off a lot of boxes. But they left early access. Uh, it's a $20 game. Uh, and it's short. Fucking short. It's meant uh, to be the Borderlands model where you played the same very, 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 very short campaign over and over again. And I hate that. It's three levels and a final boss, and that's it. The rest of it is just going through the procedural generation over and over again. And it's just, what the fuck? And it's a shame because the game on the surface looks really interesting where uh, your character class, it's going uh, uh, Slay the Spire-esque where you go through and you get random uh, power-ups uh, based off uh, uh, your choices. Uh, you could... Uh, you have a choice of three power-ups per level, so you could uh, build your character out uh, a little bit more customizable than you normally could. And it's meant to be more running gun from the looks of it. It's just, uh, what the hell are they thinking on that? Yeah. Average playtime, five hours. That's not good for a roguelite. So yeah, that's a ignore. I see. Not the biggest fan of top-down roguelite stuff, so it would be probably not good for me anyways, but... If you really don't like it, then yeah, it's definitely terrible. Um, okay, so I got Ancestors the Humankind Odyssey. I'm not going to lie, I forgot this game was a thing. Because I remember it from two years ago, I think, yeah, at E3. Another epic exclusive. Okay. Yeah, I remember it from two years ago at E3, and then some one of the devs had some bad press for saying something vaguely racist. 
Like, that's the only two things I remember about this game. Oh, I remember Jim Sterling playing it and it being absolute shit. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, I mean, you know, the basic principle of the game is it it's like a third-person action survival crafting type game. That makes no you, sense. Uh, go yeah. watch uh, the Jim impressions of it. Okay, uh, he, he, yeah. he, uh, well, think uh, a rabid dog with a rag doll. Just shaking and shaking and shaking. Mm-hmm. That, that's him playing this. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you got Battlefield 1. I got two after that, Battlefield 3. <laughs> because that's how the Battlefield series is numbered, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it makes a lot more sense than, let's say, Microsoft uh, numbering consoles. So uh, this is the modern... Uh, uh, or, or modern military uh, shooter uh, version of Battlefield. It feels weird going back to the previous Battlefields just because, yeah. Uh, will this even have a player base at this point? Uh, today's peak players was 315. <laughs> now, I know that there's a single player campaign, so, right? But, yeah. But hey, if you wanted to play Battlefield 3 and you, know, you don't want to deal with Origin, there you go, right? There you go. I got something that looks really interesting. I have no idea if this would be good or bad, but I'm kind of a sucker for this kind of thing. The Solitaire Conspiracy. Oh, uh, uh, that, it's a. Huh? The developer of that is the same one that did Thomas Was Alone. Oh, okay. I, I saw about that earlier. Yeah, it's got a story campaign where you're doing some kind of solitaire thing. You're playing solitaire to do espionage and spycraft and play through a story and it looks like there's like competitive solitaire which is probably a real thing that I don't know exists but I've always liked classic solitaire like playing on the computer play it with an actual deck of cards I've always liked classic solitaire and so like to see to see this I'm like oh hey this is really neat and it's on sale right now, like it's, uh, you know, it's release sale okay, actually, for 20% off. It puts it under $10. Yeah, I actually know a little bit about this. It is a shorter game. Uh, this is from the developer of Thomas Was Alone, and he has done a lot of uh, these shorter, more, uh, kind of taking the idea of a genre and turning on its head. Like Thomas Was Alone was a good example of a very simplistic platformer made into a really interesting story and uh quarantine uh, circular is the sort of the same idea or oh, sorry subsurface uh, uh circular uh where yeah. uh, when the truth is blurred go underground step into this new take on the text-based adventure from the award-winning team behind thomas was alone so uh, he- this developer does uh, shorter games, so that is a bit of a caveat. But yeah, I would say that if you wanted something to be odd and have a good story, this is probably a developer you want to follow. Yeah, and taking in. uh, uh, interesting game concepts. So yeah, uh, I would say definitely check this one out. Sorry to take yours. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. I'm just familiar with the developer. Yeah, I've played Thomas Was Alone. I haven't played Subsurface Circular. Well, this is the same guy. Suddenly, it seems a lot more interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, it was already really interesting. So, 
Less than 10 bucks, I'm tempted. Mm-hmm. So I got Blightbound. I guess I'm getting the uh, co-op dungeon crawlers today. Uh, a multiplayer dungeon crawler that tasks three heroes to venture down from their mountain refuge to face the abominations of the Blight. Uh, looks like the biggest problem is that it does not have a player base, so you need to bring your own team, which honestly I think is kind of a requirement for these games to begin with. But it's also early access and it's 20 bucks. That's a steep price for an early access game. Especially one that's co-op, so you're gonna have to get at least two, maybe three copies. And they're looking for a year in early access. Yeah, it's just, it's a bit of a hard sell, at least at the moment, but maybe in the future, right? Yeah. So I got, I just, I got one I'm copying over right now. Vampire the Masquerade Night Road. So this is a choose-your-own-adventure uh, text, choose-your-own-text adventure. Um, I've talked about some of these before by the same developer. Um, uh, the developer being Choice of Games. And they've done a bunch, a pirate one and superheroes. Like The best one that they've done has been like a three-part superhero series that where you were like a teenage superhero trying to like yeah, become famous yeah, in a world of superheroes. Yeah, I played the first one. Um, I, I think the, like... the second one I never got around to. I, I think they were taken into like a reality show, which just didn't yeah. appeal to me. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this is probably, I'm guessing, as like connected to, because there's the new Vampire Masquerade 2 or whatever it is that's Electric coming Google. out. Oh, sorry, Vampire um, Boogaloo. So I'm guessing that this is like in in conjunction with that. There's the Shadows of New York one as well, which also came out this year. Oh, this is another visual novel thing. This is me just searching. I feel like the Vampire franchise has had a bit of a resurgence the last year, and maybe it's just the whole thing of like I started playing the you know Vampire Masquerade tabletop, and so I'm noticing it more. Like kind of like whenever you get a new car and suddenly you see that kind of car everywhere all over the road because you're aware of it. But I'm into this. Uh, I like the vampire franchise quite a lot. So, and I like this developer. They like I've done quite a bit of uh, or played through quite a few of their games. So the good quality writing, your choices can really have some big impact. So hopefully that carries through with this one as well. But I mean, it's ten bucks. It's probably on mobile. This would probably be better on mobile just because of the convenience of being able to play them kind of whenever you want. Yeah, I know that they have at least some of their games on mobile. I'm not sure if they have this one in particular, though. And they also uh, offer free trials on their games for uh, a lot of them on mobile. And I will say that some of them are a little bit more cringy than others. Yeah. I toured around with uh, some of them uh, on mobile and some were... Yeah, just couldn't get into it. There, there was something about the writing, and that—that's the thing about novels like that—is that uh, if you don't click with the author, it's very tough to get into. So, it, yeah, it might be something to check out on mobile. Uh, uh, see if you enjoy their writing style as well. So my discovery queue just crashed. I went to hit next, and I got a a, a five oh two bad gateway error. I had that pop up earlier when I was doing news. Maybe maybe the internet has COVIDs now. Oh, God. Well, I only had one game left on my Discovery queue list, so... Oh, was it worth it having a game? I don't know. I just saw that I had one left. Well, I'll keep refreshing while you go through. Okay, well, I, I'm on my last one. 
Unless we want to do a second one, uh, desperately. Uh, yeah, Rod 4. So this is the fourth iteration in the Rod series, which is uh, street uh, uh, bike uh, or street motorcycle racing. Uh, from the looks of it, the previous ones have been uh, gotten uh, some fairly de- a decent result or had fairly decent reviews. Uh, this is the same developer that does the MotoGP series as well. And quite a few different racing games. I don't see anything in per- that's particularly poor. There's some mixed reviews in some of these, but nothing that's terrible uh, outside of a couple of DLCs, which uh, don't really count. So, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a lot to say here. I mean, it is a Simcade uh, motorcycle racing game, and uh, outside of this developer, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, out there. So, if you want to, you know, race motorcycles. Uh, actually, it looks like the second in the series is on sale for 10 bucks. So that might be one you want to check out. They also do motocross, um, some rally stuff uh, for cars. So, yeah. I mean, interesting, to say the least. So, yeah. Some of these have a fuck ton of DLC, though. So, yeah. So, I, I, my... Steam and Discovery Queue started working again so I could look at my last game and it's interesting looking go for it it's called it's called Post Void um they describe it as a hypnotic scramble of early first person shooter design um I, I I mean it looks like an old school FPS um but with like this interesting hand drawn uh, artistic style like it looks like it was made with colored pencils is probably the best way to describe it but it's also they're also saying it's a roguelike and it's a psychedelic experience which a couple of the screenshots show off that i don't know how this is a roguelike like i'm scrolling through looking for you know like how much of it are they just saying like oh you reset and do runs and like that's all they're calling it for roguelike you know there's not a lot a few gifts um that is really odd looking yeah, it's $3. So, I mean, if you get in, like, if you go to check it out, it's at least not very expensive. Um, this, to me, and I have no idea. Um, I've never heard of this developer before. YCJY Games? M-O-U-S-E. They made oh, something sea called Sea Salt. Okay, so I'm familiar with that. Uh, a dark fantasy reverse horror action strategy game where you play as the uh, nightmarish force of uh, uh, Dagon by controlling and growing in the uh, a horde of minions. So interesting. I've heard of Seesaw. I've heard that was uh, pretty good, actually. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, you know, if it's uh, if it's a good game. And I mean, for three bucks, you know, they're not trying to oversell whatever it is. Well, can I throw in one more game? Because I started up my next queue just to uh, have it for next week. And I know it's going to reset before we get there. So I want to throw in one more. Okay. So I got a game that you probably never heard of. Baldur's Gate 3. I've seen people talking about Baldur's Gate 3 today. So I guess there was some NDA that dropped. Uh, It released on Early Access. That's why you've seen people talking about it. Uh, Being produced by Larian Studios uh, uh, behind the Divinity uh, 
or uh, the Divinity series, so most notably recently Divinity Original Sin uh, and the Divinity Original Sin 2, but they're, yeah, it's the Divinity series, it's not just that one. So a strong pedigree of mostly good games will ignore Divinity Dragon Commander. Okay, they were they had really good storytelling, not good gameplay there. How about that? So yeah. I, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is in a strong developer. I'm a little concerned about uh, the early access issue that uh, Larian has had, at least in the couple games I've played, uh, that they put out in early access where... The beginning of the game is super polished, but because they put out the game in uh, stages, the later portions of the game aren't as polished because they weren't early access enough or for as long and not as many people played that as the opening area. That was the situation that we really ran into in Divinity Original Sin, huh? Yeah. I'm excited for Baldur's Gate 3. I'm going to wait to see if it pops up on any subscriptions anywhere. Um, especially Game Pass, mm-hmm. um, I mean, to, to to play it. But I mean, this is a game that one of the rare games that I'm probably going to buy within a year of, of release. I don't want to get it while it's in early access. Yeah, um, same. I mean, it looks fucking phenomenal. Yes, it does. Uh, it looks like they are definitely going uh, uh, with uh, what they've learned from uh, the Vinny Original Sin and uh, doing uh, the real time with Pauls. Uh, a very strategic combat system. I thought they were doing turn-based. Maybe I'm I'm mistaken on that. I'm just going off the screenshots. I could be mistaken on that. I I think I saw... I remember from a few months ago, or maybe even last year at this point, that there was like a kerfuffle that it was going to be turn-based instead of real-time with pause, and a bunch of people were upset about that fact. It looks like... uh, It looks like we're both right. There's options for ah. both. Oh, nice. Excellent. That's a good uh, At least to according it. to the reviews. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to find... Ooh, online multiplayer, co-op. Although this is going to be a game. Because what I did with Divinity 2 was I took a week off from work and and played through the entirety of Divinity 2. I still need I... to go uh, play Divinity 2. Then we could do co-op for the next, like, three years on it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But to be fair, we're playing Crusader Kings right now, so... Right? Yeah. On, you know, with multiplayer playing it at a slower pace than I play the single-player game, so... Because I'll crank that shit up to five for single-player. Yeah, but and... yeah, but the thing is, when there's nothing going on for you, there, I might be in the middle of a war, so I'm slowing things down as well. Yeah. Also, in single-player, anytime an event happens, it automatically pauses. It doesn't do that in multiplayer. Yeah. So, if you have it cranked up to five, you know, the event may uh, pop up and it'll be a month before I finish reading it. So, you know, kind of have to keep it going slow, but it does make it uh, so that, you know, you can uh, really appreciate what's going on in the world as well, huh? Yeah. Like, going... Oh, oh there's a yawn. Going back and forth, uh, being the cultural head from my culture. Or you just getting fucked over because you were caught being a kinslayer. Yeah, but then when I lost, I just took over the the guy who usurped me. Would have been I'm hilarious still if the you, same kingdom. If you uh, took over a neighboring kingdom and kicked his ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's my Q plus one. I, I just I started to set up my next Q for next week, and Baldur's Gate three. Oh, gotta talk about that, right? Right. 
good good call yep well that uh but yeah that does it for our discovery EQ this week hey rage why don't you uh hit him with the socials well i've been caffeine dridge you can find me on uh twitter gaming with cr or you can find me on steam caffeine rage and you've been gaming psychologist you can find me on the youtubes by searching for gaming psychologists on twitter at jma4707 or you can be my friend on steam by sending your friend request to jarthur4707 and if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from the password for this week is damn suits damn suits <laughs> damn suits fuckers <laughs> uh I was very tempted to put uh, to do this. Sh- uh, should have been an email, but eh, that's a little too meta for us. It's true, but it, I mean, it's still correct. This should have been an email. Well, uh, this show. Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> uh, it would have been a, a very long email, a very rambly email. Well, Fair. Well, I guess it could have. At least with that attitude, it could have. Right. We. <laughs> One week we just send each other email back and forth and then like read the email. It's our transcript. That's our script for the episode, guys. They're scripted. <laughs> uh but we have to do each other's uh uh <laughs> part. So I'm I'm sitting here I'm uh, and I'm 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 doing it in the mocking voice for you and <laughs> oh. I'm sitting here spinning in my chair. <laughs> I hope that came through. Uh, uh, at least I heard it. We'll see if it makes it through editing. Oh, it definitely will. It definitely will. Woo. So scrolling all the way back up to the top of the show notes. Uh, once again, if you wish to reach us, Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us, Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons are to blame for this absolute madness. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL podcast. Uh, and I'm just kidding. We love you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and they are also uh, helping us with our Podbean, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, if you wish to share the love, links to everything that we do online, or at least used to do. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or the podcatcher of choice if you wish to also uh, share us. And I do apologize for Jared. He's he's usually a lot crazier. He's your other subdued this week. I don't know why. Am I? <laughs> Am I subdued? It's definitely not my craziest week. I'll give you that. But I don't feel subdued. I think it's just we're both tired of life. I, I am tired of life. I'm also just regular tired. So our intro and outro music is on the ground. And our... Discovering Cube Music is doobly doo, both by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found with his other work over at Incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to float across, float across, roll across my voice, fucking shit. <laughs> bye bye now. See you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>